Hey, wind. Pipe down. Hey, pipe down. Welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia, chapter by chapter, and today we are discussing chapter six of The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. This chapter is called The Adventures of Eustace. I am Rince's complete lack of surprise at Eustace wandering off. Okay. Also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host... I am none of the right books. <laughs> but also, are you also all of the wrong books? Possibly. Because these are two quotes that I wrote down from the <laughs> chapter. Yep. Also all of the wrong books, also known as Chris. <laughs> Hello, Chris. Welcome. Oh, welcome. So, a couple of disclaimers right here at the beginning. One, um... I had a very, very busy day of talking yesterday where I was talking for about 12 hours straight. So if my voice is a little deeper or huskier than usual, that's why. Also, I'd like to see if we can hear the neighbor's music now that that started. Also, disclaimer number two is... It is very windy outside, but this podcast, we're recording very late and has to go up tomorrow, so uh, if you hear the wind, you hear the wind. And v, v. Windy. V. Windy. <laughs> and our neighbors have wind chimes, so if you hear wind chimes, also. That just adds fun ambiance. It's fun ambiance. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the wind. Cool. Anyway, so now also the music from the neighbor is going to be a problem because, you know. It's going to be a loud one. Yeah, so, and I'm not going to try. I'm really not going to try on this one. I recorded a podcast last night. I'm recording a podcast right now. I'm recording another podcast tomorrow night. So. This is what we do with our time now. Apparently, this is what we do now. Mm Mm-hmm. Woohoo! Exciting. <laughs> so, my poor voice is going to be so shot. I'm just not going to talk on Tuesday. You can you can help the kid. Okay, that's the plan. Anyway, should we actually start our podcast and go sure. over our uh, summaries? Absolutely. So, as we do our podcasts, uh, the, we start each one by summarizing the chapter. And uh, we do a five-sentence summary of the chapter that we read. And uh, we try to take sentences out of the chapter pluck them out of context and tell the story of the chapter in the chapter's own words just you know rearranged and organized into a more concise manner so who should go first do you want to go first sure i'll go you, first you've got your you've got your book out like you're just ready to read I'm, your I'm notes i'm ready to rock and roll you are you're yeah. they're like amped for this chapter this is your this is the adventures of eustace this is your chapter right yeah. here yeah we got some things to talk about but here's my uh pretty short summary there was no other possible way of getting back he bolted for the only shelter in sight the dragon's cave sleeping on a dragon's hoard with greedy dragonish thoughts in his heart he had become a dragon himself and he felt sure that somehow or other he would be able to make people understand who he was. Lucy had, however, already run forward, 
followed by Reepicheep as fast as his short legs could carry him. And then, of course, the boys and Drinian came too. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we both have the same third sentence, but other than that, we didn't use any other sentences in common. So huh? I'll go ahead and read mine. Sure. Something was crawling. He began to feel as if he had fought and killed the dragon instead of merely seeing it die. Sleeping on a dragon's hoard with greedy, dragonish thoughts in his heart, he had become a dragon himself. Dragon? came his shrill voice. Can you understand speech? The dragon nodded. Okay, there you go. He had a really short little summary, too. Yep. Uh... All right, so let's jump in. Uh, I guess we should talk about the, we should address the dragon in the room. (laughs) (laughs) No, Um, I mean, the the goat that they ate for dinner, just really, where, like, they're just goats. It's the first thing in the chapter is that they have two goats that they bring back for dinner. How much meat is on a goat? How many people were on this boat again? Is is two goats enough to feed seconds to, to this entire ship? Uh, I mean, if you're not having very much, I think goats are pretty big. Like, can get probably several pounds of meat off of him okay like i'm just i'm just curious like yeah while we're talking about the dragon in the room there are goats on the island there are goats on the island not talking goats not not talking goats Mm -hmm. they brought some strong wine from arkenland like you're just trying to jump straight to the dragon in the room and you're (laughs) skipping the entire first two pair three four paragraphs in which they realize that that eustace isn't there where's that blighter eustace edmund says where is he they had some dinner. Mm-hmm. It was a merry meal. It was. I'm glad they're having a good time. They had that strong Arkenlander wine that they had to water down so that there but there was enough for everyone for sure. If they watered it down, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why you bring strong wine. So that you have less cask space being used on the ship. I suppose so. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> that was exciting. This is oh. how this is this is the origin of Grog and why Grog is Okay, fine. I, 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 you're gonna make me nerd out on this kind of ship sailing stuff right now. I'm gonna start singing shanties and telling you about the barrels of rum and the way that the water was kept sanitary with. You can nerd out. No, no, we're good. I mean, there's only really, I got it out. There's, there's mostly only one big thing that happens in this chapter, so feel free to go on to minutiae and and trivia. Okay, so like we ate some goats. Yes. And um. Yeah, and then we we realize, the, the party realizes that Eustace has wandered off. And so does Eustace. And so does Eustace. Mm-hmm. Eustace wander, realizes that he's wandered off into a valley, mm-hmm. and he has come down a very steep embankment that he's going to have to climb out of to get to the right side of the uh, this cliff, basically, that he wandered down. Yep, and he doesn't think he can do it. He doesn't think he can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he got down. He can't get back up again. He's wandered into a barren valley with no birds or animals or insects of any kind. No goats. Uh, no goats. Uh, what? What's he going to have for dinner? I don't so, know. He also saw... Where's the line? What line? I can help you if you tell me anything about it. The one about the burned spots like the side by the side of the train in summer. Yep. And like... Yeah. I have no reference point for this whatsoever. Mm, apparently it's a thing. Except as a Californian living in a fire area, like, 
I mean, there's always burned spots everywhere. There's always always the wreckage of burned trees somewhere along the side of the road. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. It just felt like such I a found very... the line if you want me to read it. Thank you. It's going to drive you insane. Yes, so it I'm is. Going... Okay. The floor was grassy, though, strewn with rocks. And here and there, Eustace saw black burnt patches like those you see in the sides of a railway embankment in dry summer. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a thing. That is a thing. Um, someone who has seen a burned up railway embankment in England in the 1950s should explain that to me because y'all, that don't make sense. <laughs> don't, I don't understand. Totally. Are trains known for throwing off sparks and starting little fires near their embankments? Like Possibly. Uh, anyway, moving on from this very, very tiny descriptive line. Okay, but it bothered Um, (laughs) me. I wanted to know. Okay. Uh, Sorry, real conversation. So we find the valley with a a big pool in the center of it. Mm -hmm. And he hears a strange noise. Ooh. Coming from a a low, dark hole in the side of a cliff face. Ooh. uh, By the side of the valley. Is this the strange noise? Ooh. I don't think it sounds like a weird owl, so. Okay. Um. Yankovic? <laughs> wow. All right. Gosh. This is crest on not enough sleep. Um, uh, so there's a low dark hole, and there's two wisps of smoke coming out of it. Two wisps of smoke. I wonder what those could be. I don't know. And something's kicking over rocks uh, at the opening of the hole. So I, I just want to say a couple of things right here. Yeah. This book, at whatever point in my life that I read it, which I have no no way of, of identifying at this point in time, the first time that I read this book, mm-hmm. this was the first book I ever read that had a dragon in it. Okay. And so C.S. Lewis is sitting here being like, now, Eustace, he read none of the right books. So he didn't know that this was obviously a dragon crawling out of the hole with these two little wisps of smoke coming out of its nostrils and its great fiery eyes and its heat and its waddling over to the pool. Um, Eustace had read only the wrong books. So he didn't see, uh, he didn't know, as you and I would be able to tell him, that this was a dragon. Mm-hmm. And having read, like reading this for the first time, I distinctly remember feeling like C.S. Lewis was calling me stupid. <laughs> like I distinctly remember that because this was the first book that I ever read in my life that had a dragon in it. I didn't read The Hobbit, which was published 20 years before this, until after this book. Mm-hmm. Like, nah. Like, I didn't know. I didn't you know. I didn't know dragons kept hordes of treasure. I didn't know that this was a thing. I didn't know about dragons. Like, you- I knew that dragons were a concept. I didn't know that they were like hoarders of wealth and stuff like that. Like, the only dragon I knew of was like in that one Disney movie with the dragon. And I didn't even see that all the way through. So yeah, anyway, dragons. I didn't know about dragons. I didn't know. You weren't familiar with the, like, you were familiar with the concept. Yeah, no, no, I was familiar with the concept. Like I said, I'd seen that one Disney movie with that one dragon in it, and I didn't even see that all the way through. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, just like, I was familiar with the concept of a winged lizard monster. (laughs) 
but not with the concept of it sitting on a hoard of treasure and yeah. having enchanted treasure mm-hmm. and magic associated with that at all. Was not familiar with any of this. Yeah. At all. So yeah, I felt like C.S. Lewis was calling me dumb and I've never forgiven him for that. So that's why I started this podcast so that I could just get back at this man. We finally get to the root of the issue. We're finally there. It took us a minute. But we've done it. Okay. Um, So all that being said. Chris takes out his therapist notebook. Yep. Let's go lie down on the couch in the office and we'll uh, we'll, we'll jot this down. There you go. Uh, So he never said the word dragon to himself. Because mm-hmm. he just, uh, you know, he's ignorant. Eustace is ignorant here, and we're gonna—he—he's gonna get an education. But this old dragon comes crawling out of this hole and doesn't really pay Eustace any attention. He uh, kind of crawls out to the pool, looks very old and haggard. Uh, have you known anything about? <laughs> and dies in the most dramatic <laughs> fashion. Yep. An old dragon can just roll over and die with. Yeah. Uh. It doesn't even, like, flop down and puff out smoke. Mm-hmm. It convulses and rolls over and gushes blood out of its mouth. Mm-hmm. Yep. He does all that. Uh, like, last wisps of smoke kind of drift up. The fire goes out of its eyes. Uh, and Eustace thinks it might be playing dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to pause there and ask ourselves. Like, we can go into, like, the baseless speculation later as to, like, why there was a dragon here in the first place. However, why is the dragon dying? It's like, is he starving to death? Like, the, the blood coming out of the mouth makes it seem like he's been grievously injured in some way. Hmm. It's like, has something come and attacked him previously, and he's just been, like, trying to recover and didn't make it? Like Dragons can get old. They can get old, but, like, when you get old, you just don't, like, pour, start pouring blood out of your orifices. Like, something causes that that's, like... I mean, some people do. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, just, it just seems like a very dramatic death. Like, this isn't like, oh, hey, the dragon's dying of old age. It's Maybe like this something... is just how dragons die of old age, Chris. What, obviously, you haven't been reading the right books. Obviously. No. You've read none of the right books. I know. I'm reading the Hobbit. Not, o- not only are you none of the right books, <laughs> you're also reading none of the right books. Reading the Hobbit right now. There you go. I mean... I haven't gotten to Smog yet, but... Anywho, so the dragon dies. Eustace thinks it's faking, um, and then slowly works up courage to go and investigate it. Very important to me to confirm that it is, in fact, a real dragon. It has four legs and wings. Yeah. It's just really important to me that the world knows... It's not a worm. That it's not a, a wyvern. Wyvern. Or whatever. I don't know. I don't know dragon classification. Obviously haven't read the right books. Uh, Eustace convinces himself to go check it out and, you know, feels this incredible relief and laughs out loud and starts thinking that, you know, he was the one that killed the dragon mm-hmm. instead of just, like, being there while it died in a very dramatic fashion. I would also like to point out mm-hmm. that he's not the only one who thinks he might have killed the dragon. Flash, flash forward to when the rescue party comes and finds this dead dragon. Mm-hmm. My character, Rince, thinks that there's a possibility that it ate Eustace and the boy poisoned him. <laughs> you're, you're really into Rince in this one, aren't you? I just love his <laughs> attitude so much. He's just so rude. He does get chastised by Reaper Cheap for it, though. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll cover that. But now the dragon's dead. Eustace is still trapped in this valley, and, you know, thunder starts crashing overhead. It's Immediately. A there's a big thunder. Like, there is a, there is a very dramatic, cinematic thunderclap. Yes. When he when he sees the dead dragon. Yep. And the storm starts and he's just like need to find shelter. Oh hey, the only shelter here is this dragon cave. Mm-hmm. And so he wanders in and is shocked by what he finds. Because he doesn't know that dragons have hordes of treasure. Like, we would have known that. I didn't. <laughs> we right now would have and we can feel superior to Eustace because we would have known these things. Yes, then this is like a level of judgment and like encouraging children to be mean. That's like, can, can you not? Yeah, and also Eustace, unlike most boys, never really thought much of treasure. Oh yeah, it's like absolutely because <laughs> this is a negative quality. I know because he's because <laughs> he, he's not greedy. Yeah. You're supposed you're supposed, as young boys are supposed to daydream about treasure. Which, as a as a former young boy myself, uh, I I can't say I ever did. Maybe I did. I don't oh, know. Maybe I, I had like a buried treasure phase where I was like. Mm-hmm. Gonna go find me a chest full of gold doubloons. I have taken I have taken the seven year old nephew out just for the sole purpose, according to him, of finding buried treasure. You should buy him a metal detector for his next Christmas. There, you do realize that there's a level of patience required in that. <laughs> that the seven year old, who will next Christmas be eight years old, mm-hmm. does not possess. No, you can start working on it. Anyway, this is not a podcast where we review our nephew. Um, <laughs> that, would, that would be a much shorter show. Couldn't do like 50 episodes on that, probably. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he goes in and finds piles and piles of coins and rings and ingots and uh, plates, cups, gems, all this kind of stuff. And then he starts having thoughts mm. and starts thinking, hey... You know, maybe I could use some of this. Maybe with all this treasure, now, you know, that since we're in a land that there aren't any taxes, like, we finally established that. He's gotten to the uh, a place where he realizes he's no longer in Britain anymore. They don't have any tax here. They have no tax. Nobody's going to take his treasure away. I so, mean, I feel like there's probably taxes in Narnia. Probably, yeah. Anyway, but, yeah, no, there's no tax here. This is the thoughts of an eight-year-old boy. Yep. Which, I mean, to some extent, the seven-year-old understands that he has to pay sales tax on items and it drives him insane when he has to try to figure out his money math to see what he can and can't afford. Yeah. So, that, 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 I mean, he may think of tax as an eight-year-old looking at this pile of treasure being like, there's no tax here. Possibly. Uh, I'm in a tax haven. I do believe in this when Eustace is supposed to be 10, either 9 or 10. Okay, well, so, whatever. But he's... Uh, uh, either just... way, like, we have the tax haven. Mm-hmm. So once again, we have a character from our world here thinking of this place as a tool to get money. Yes. Much like Uncle Andrew and the magician's nephew. I mean, yes, but at the same time, he stumbled into a pile of treasure. Like, if you did and that... And his would... first thought is, there's no tax here. <laughs> And he could use this treasure to have a good time in, perhaps in Callerman, which seems like the least phony of these countries. Perhaps in <laughs> Callerman. And his only exposure to Callerman mm-hmm. is people trying to buy slaves. Yep. His only exposure to Callerman at all is that the people from Callerman were in the Lone Islands 
trying to buy slaves in the market. Can I also point out that Eustace was one of those slaves, mm-hmm. and nobody wanted to buy him. Yep, but he thinks Kellerman is like... But it's the least phony of these countries. Yep. It's an interesting uh, train of thought he's gone down, isn't it? And it is an interesting, like, just... just And once again, writing order, this book is the first reference to Kellerman. This is written well before The Horse and His Boy. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at this book as like the foundation of people's knowledge of Kellerman before you get to The Horse and His Boy. Yeah. Like, golly gee, Kellerman sounds like a pretty bad place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all we know, like, we know about the whole slave thing. Like, I mean, in Horse and His Boy, obviously, find, we find out it is a bad place. And, like, we, we talked extensively about that. Yeah, but and having... its flaws. But, like, sitting here and being like, Eustace thought maybe he should go to Kellerman and have a good time with this money. Puts... <laughs> is just throwing shade on Kellerman. Like... Maybe he wants to buy slaves. Well, they're the ones <laughs> buying the slaves. Uh-huh. So he wants to... What? Go set up an empire there? Possibly. Who knows? Uh, anyway, he has all these thoughts. And ends up putting on a, a bracelet and fills his pockets and all this kind of stuff. But then ends up falling asleep. In the meantime, we cut back to the rest of the party who finally has realized, hey, Eustace is gone. And they start the search party. They're out looking for him. Uh, and I don't know, again, if this is another cultural thing that I've missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like a British thing. But they shouted, Eustace, Eustace, cooey. I don't know. I, I've never heard this expression before. I think it's just a sound of like making noise, being like, Aah! Yeah, it's just like what I immediately thought of was like a pig call. Like somebody being like, sweet! And like, like hog calling. <laughs> which which was really weird when they're looking for like a human boy. Mm-hmm. Um, anywho. Okay. I had a feeling you would bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> So it was, it was, I just kind of figured that was weird. Um, and they can't find him. They do find a dead dragon. No, they don't find the dead dragon yet. Got my order of the book confused. But anyway, they start looking for him, haven't found him yet. And Rent says something along the lines of, uh, you know, good riddance if he's been killed by wild beasts. Mm-hmm. And he is just done with Eustace uh, entirely. And Reaper Cheap steps up and does not have any of that. Mm-mm. He's just like... I've never heard you say anything more unbecoming. Mm. Calls him out. Speak this way about the queen's blood. Yeah, and so he's uh, Reaper Cheap's defending some honor here. And meanwhile, Eustace having a long, nice long nap, mm-hmm. sleeps and sleeps, wakes up, and then some strange things start happening now. Sorry, he sleeps and sleeps and sleeps. <laughs> mm-hmm. Got to get the quote right. Yeah, uh, but he woke up with the pain in his pain in his arm. And he starts moving around and, and, and waking up and realizes that, oh no. There's a dragon there's next another, to him. There's a dragon next to him. Like, obviously, the dragon had a mate. And he had, you know, completely obviously. missed this going into the cave. Yeah. And he is now sleeping just basically right on top of this other dragon mm-hmm. that he's got to get away from. And every time he moves something, the dragon moves too. The dragon is just copying his movements and his motions and, like, right on top of him. And then he realizes that there's another dragon on the other of side course. of him because he sees one of the dragon's paws on either side of him. How many dragons can fit in the cave? Well, it's like, apparently it's three. Obviously. 
because he hadn't read the night read the right books and known that dragons ate each other apparently and like that's why you only find one per country well i mean fresh dragon is a dragon's favorite meal obviously yep didn't know dragons were cannibals that's something i learned in this book mm. that's that's not part of the dragon lore i was aware of well well that's why dragons are never together <laughs> That's why the dragons are always off by themselves. They've got their little horde, and they eat each other. That's an interesting lifestyle. Anyway, so he he, <laughs> he manages to get out of the cave and get away from these other dragons and uh, approaches the, this pool for whatever reason. But he bends down to the pool to take a drink or something. And, and there's a dragon in the pool! There is, but then he realizes he's a dragon. Mm-hmm. Eustace becomes a dragon here, which is a thing that you are really excited for me to read. He's a fiend in human form. Yep. Oh, wait, sorry. He's a human in fiend form. Uh-huh. But you were excited for me to get here. Uh-huh. Yes, I was. As, I was excited yeah, for yeah. you to get here. As, I, as I've mentioned previously in the episodes, uh, I've never read this book before doing the podcast. So I'm not aware of most of the plot points. This, however, was something that was spoiled for me yeah, a yeah, while yeah. back. Uh-huh. So I did know this was going to happen, full disclosure. Rude. At some point. I didn't know where, uh, or this a early. full disclosure after you've already, like, <laughs> yeah, thanks. You could have told this at the beginning of the book. Well, oh, I didn't you wanna... didn't want to spoil it for somebody yeah. else? if somebody was listening for the first time, I don't want to spoil it. Uh, so I knew that was going to happen, uh, so it wasn't as shocking to me. That was dramatic. Sorry. Um, so anyway, he's a dragon. Sees himself. Realizes this. And he has a lot of... You know, rapid-fire thoughts going through his head. He he realizes that, you know, now he's a big and strong, terrible monster, and, you know, he feels relief. There's nothing for him to be afraid of anymore, and he can go and get revenge on Caspian and Edmund and, and those, you know, shipmates that bullied him. Uh, <laughs> and I, then, I feel like you read so much more into that section of it than I did. Like, he, for me, it was like a fleeting thought to him to be like, oh, I could go show you, uh, show Edmund and Caspian. No, I don't want to. I just want to be near people again. Yeah, and then he has this, like... like the... to, You were like, oh, yeah, he realizes he's this big, strong... To me, it was like, he had a thought that maybe he could know. No, he just wants to see them again. Yeah. Like, I read it completely differently as far as tone goes. Yeah, I was just kind of extending the moment and, and all the emotions that he's going through. Uh, but he but he has this crystallizing moment where he realizes, oh, hey, he actually misses people. And he wants to be friends with people. And maybe he hasn't been a great person. And this is the first time that Eustace has had this uh, kind of self-reflection and being like, maybe I'm wrong. And it took him becoming a dragon to realize this, apparently. Well, uh, I mean, it but... took Erebus getting slashed by a lion to realize that maybe she was a bad person. Yeah. But he, he, he has this uh, this moment. And there's character growth and there's character development here for mm -hmm. him. And he realizes all he wants to do is get back to his friends and convince them that he is actually still Eustace. And maybe we solve this problem. And he's sure of it that he'll be able to do that. Uh huh. Uh, but first he needs a little snack, uh, and so yeah, he takes, but... a long, takes a long drink and eats almost the entirety of the other dragon that had died. Yes. Because as we covered earlier, there's nothing more that dragons like than fresh dragon. So later they're going to say that they found this dead dragon, and I'm really unsure as to whether or not they find the dragon while Ed, uh, Eustace is sleeping in the cave, mm -hmm. or if they find it after Eustace has already eaten it and left. 
I would say they probably find it while he's sleeping in the cave because they don't mention, oh, hey, there's a dead dragon, and it looks like something's eaten most of it. That's kind of terrifying. Yeah. Because they, they assume that that was the only dragon on the island and there's not more. And if something had eaten most of this one, they'd probably come to the conclusion that maybe there was another one. Okay. So, I mean, since obviously a dragon's yeah. favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. And everybody knows that. They've all read the right books. Uh-huh. Um, Some of them even wrote those books. <laughs> so Eustace is able to take off with his new fancy dragon wings. Uh, he leaves the valley. And he's able to find the Dawn Treader pretty easily. Uh, sitting in the bay. And Sitting on the duck in the bay. Flies down and terrifies everybody else. Yep. So the dragon comes swooping out of nowhere, lands outside the camp, and everybody's just like, um, well, this is a problem. Well, I feel like he, <laughs> he tried to approach quietly uh-huh. without being a swoopy. Yeah. And I feel like people were like, guys, shh, there's a dragon over there. Yeah. Uh, not looking terribly threatening or anything. Sitting in the tree. Caspian has to sit there and be like, reap cheap? Yeah. Nuh-uh, boy. Yeah. He's got to throw some cold water on him. He, he's got to hold him back. And and as much as I like the character of reap cheap uh, this is one of those times where I'm just like, reap cheap's kind of dumb. I mean... It's like he's... There's, there's valiant and there's chivalrous and there's, like, bravery and then there's just stupidity of being like, I am a two-foot mouse who is going to go slay a dragon that's a hundred times my size. I mean, we don't honestly have a realistic view of what the size of the dragon is. Uh, I mean, we can assume by the illustrations that he's pretty large. Okay. Also, it's on the cover of the book, where Reaper Cheap is about the same size as, like, one of his eyeballs. <laughs> At least in that particular uh, depiction of it. Mm. So, uh, Reaper Cheap's like a, not even a full bite to, to this dragon. Mm-hmm. But, I guess points for bravery still. Uh, but they make a plan where, no, everybody's going to get together. We're going to get armed and armored up. In the morning, we're going to go slay the dragon, or at least deal with it. Uh, I, I, do, I did learn another fun dragon lore fact in here. Oh, yeah, tell me more dragon lore. Uh, which apparently arrows are useless against them. Yeah, they are. Unless, I knew that. You knew that? Unless they have a chink in their scale. Like, if there's one missing a scale and you can put that arrow right through their scale, like that one little missing link, yeah, like, they're... Their scale is, their scales are absolutely, yeah, I knew that. But they're not sword proof. Why didn't you know this? <laughs> I don't know. I've never tried to take down a dragon with arrows before. So. Yeah, arrows, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> dragons are not, dragons are impervious to arrows. And not afraid of fire, obviously. Like that, that, we knew that one. Duh. But the, but the arrow thing, didn't know that. Wow. So they make a plan to get together. They're going to... Disappointed in you. You've been reading so many of the wrong books. <laughs> Is this going to be a running thing for the rest of the podcast? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, so they're going to get armed and armored up, go off in the morning, attack the dragon. Uh, they have a very uh, sad meal mm-hmm. of maybe more goat. I don't know. Nobody has Who an knows? appetite. But they all get it the next day. They go and approach it. And the dragon behaves in a very odd way because it's uh, it's not moving to be aggressive or trying to attack them, but it's uh, it's it's waggling its head and like shuffling backwards and look, uh, and it's got tears in its eyes. It waddles even. It waddles back into the water. Yeah, and it's backing away from him. Looks scared. Uh, in fact, is crying, as everybody knows. Though everybody except Lucy is suspicious of this. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but they notice that whenever they're they're saying things that it can hear, it's it's responding to them with a nod or a waggle. With a nod or a waggle, and uh, the we, we surmise that the dragon can understand speech. Can't speak itself. Reepicheep figures it out. Which I guess I shouldn't have called Reepicheep stupid. That was too that was too hasty of me. Mm-hmm. Reepicheep uh, calls out dragon. Can you understand speech? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, dra- and the dragon nodded. Dragon responds that he's a friend. Uh, and kind of shows off its hurt paw with a little bracelet wrapped around it. Yep. And uh, Lucy is immediately overwhelmed by compassion and rushes forward it's to... It's like Antigles in the lion! Yep. Rushes forward to try to heal him. Takes the cordial, which reduces the swelling, but doesn't really do anything about it. Uh, and But then everybody stops because Caspian is just like, Ermagerd, look! Look at the, th- the bracelet that he's wearing. End and then scene. That's end scene. Because there's there's something there, apparently. Yep, something there. What do you think's there? Uh, well, we'll get there in baseless speculation. All right. However, uh, so that's what happens in the chapter. Anything that we uh, can address that we didn't really get to? I think that we hit everything in the chapter, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I do want to I do want to say, because this doesn't really fall into baseless speculation anymore because we've confirmed this, that uh, I've had this running idea that the the islands they're encountering uh, in addition with the, the, the seven lords of Narnia, I guess, former mm-hmm. Narnia. Yeah. The no, seven the Telmarine, Telmarine lords. The Telmarine lords. The seven lords uh, all are representative of some mortal sin. And we had sloth on the Lone Islands. And here, obviously, we found greed. Yes. Like that. You thought it was going to be uh, something else. But... I thought it was going to be pride or something. Yeah, because Eustace gets really proud of himself for climbing that mountain. However, it, it is it is very heavy handed and very obvious there's greed here. Mm hmm. And so now I think this is a motif. And okay. I think this is, uh, you know, if I get a third data point, it's confirmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got to figure out what the next island is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And you you wanted to bring up something, Kristen, where you were reading about... Uh, okay, so like I was doing a little research because I have read these books before, so I'm not worried about spoiling anything. Mm-hmm. And I was looking into it to try to confirm or refute this for future discussions or if i could even just encourage you in this towards like oh yeah there are other islands that have things like this mm-hmm. that said i feel like one of the i uh, one of the other islands i remember from my memory does reflect one of the other mortal sins of the seven deadly sins um but i'm gonna have to read it to confirm that for real like i have this vague memory of one that might um but then I have another one that wouldn't be a new sin. It would be a repeat. So, like, I'm not sure. Okay. Anyway, so with that said, I was doing a little research on the seven deadly sins represented in Narnia to see if there was a a motif here that continues and that I could point you towards more details of as they came up uh-huh. to continue to support this or to refute it. And I found an article that was actually presenting the seven books of the Chronicles of Narnia, each as dealing with one of the seven sins. Mm-hmm. So it would say that um, the horse and his boy, for example, was pride, where we had Bree and Erebus as examples of prideful characters. Mm-hmm. And we had the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe as an example of gluttony uh, with Edmund's 
um, gluttonous habits and need to fill his belly being what led to his fall and the events of that book. We had Prince Caspian was described in this article as um, Miraz's lust for power. And then what other book have we read? The Magician's Nephew was described as like the anger, wrath mm-hmm. um, type thing with with um, Jadis, with Jadis and all of that. Uh-huh. So, um, and then the rest of the books, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil for you or for the audience what their themes were, but they had themes that would line up with that kind of listing. Uh-huh. So if that's the case, like which the evidence in those descriptions kind of does fall, play out, uh-huh. um, you're probably not going to find examples of lots of other stuff besides greed in this. So I, I don't want you to get disappointed if this is just a story about greed. This is the greed book. This might be just the greed book. Yeah. And I think this is a thing that, that could be a motif. You know, uh, that, that green-eyed monster jealousy. Ooh, ooh. I mean, he has blue eyes, but he is Green Dragon on the cover, at least. On your cover, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, we can we can see, and we can definitely talk a lot more about that once we actually finish the series, and we can really dive into that. Uh, and I completely believe that's something that Lewis could and would do. Like the only caveat that I'd have there is that I don't think he originally set out to do it. Oh, I think he did. Because I well, feel, I think from book two he did. Yeah, because like if he had originally set out, I think he, you know, I believe we've read and we know that he did not intend on writing seven books at the outset. Yeah, and like added uh, at least one or two later. So I think at some point he came to this conclusion and was like, "Oh, hey, these books work, and I can do this," and that could have been a thing. I don't think it was the original intention, though. Okay. So maybe, but but the author is dead, according to Kristen. So yeah. The intention doesn't matter. To me, yeah. I would say that to a certain extent, the intention doesn't matter as far as like whether or not he started out with this intention to do this. It, the evidence is there to argue that it's that it's presenting these things. Mm-hmm. And therefore, there should be given some value to that, whether or not Lewis intended it this way from the get-go. Yes. All right, so I think we covered that. Would we like to move on to our next segment? Absolutely, let's do it. Okay, so in our next segment, it's called Narnia Chopped and Screwed, and what we do hashtag, and what we do is go back through the chapter and pick out another five sentences that we use to create our own story with, Mm -hmm. and then we read those to you for your listening enjoyment. No way. So since I did my summary first, Kristen, would you like to read your rewrite first? Sure. Cool. Perhaps it will go away, said Lucy. His nerve broke. His nerve broke, and he simply made a bolt for it. A little dark blood gushed from his wide o- from its wide open mouth. Can you speak? But he said this under his breath, and no one heard it. Ooh, I was enthralled there. That was a that was a little dark one. Yep. Interesting. Okay. What what scene did you have in mind here? When, when someone you... dying, that's all. Oh, well. I don't know. Lucy okay. watching someone die. Okay. I, I also went a very dark direction with it, actually. There you go. Apparently, we both got darkness out of this chapter. There's like, darkness there's some... in this chapter. I mean, when you there'll be dragons there'll there. Be, there'll be dragons. <laughs> 
which should be which really should be a thing on the map uh, in the beginning of the book. <laughs> but that would be that would be too heavy-handed and foreshadowing. Anyway, here's my rewrite. Let me, let me see your map in the book. There you go. You can take that for yourself. So while you're looking at the map, I'll go ahead and read my rewrite if you're okay with that. Yep. Here we go. I will lead. And unless you promise to obey me in this matter, I will have you tied up. Later in the night, Lucy was wakened very softly and found the whole company gathered close together and talking in whispers. They got up, all with swords drawn, and formed themselves into a solid mass with Lucy in the middle and Reba Cheap on her shoulder. He began to wonder if he himself had been such a nice person as he had always supposed. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. Cool. Lucy gets betrayed. Yeah. That betrayal. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> What'd Lucy ever do to you? I don't know. And also Reba Cheap. He, he went down defending her. Mm-hmm. Uh, anywho. Cool. Rewrites. Yeah. All right. As All always, right. we're open to people doing their own and sending those to us. We've gotten not very many, but hey, if we ever get one, we'll read it on the air. You got it. Yeah. Uh, so should we move on to our last segment then? Absolutely. Let's do it. What's that one about? your baseless speculation yeah it's baseless speculation so as i mentioned earlier in the episode i have never read these books prior to doing the podcast and i don't know what the plot is all about except for minor spoilers like that i I don't think i have a lot more of those like i I have vague ideas of things that happen in the later books i i know nothing about the silver chair at all i've heard zero about that one Mm -hmm. uh so we'll we'll get there that'll be fun uh, this book, I think this is the last thing I actually knew happened, so I have no idea what okay. the rest of it is. So this is this is real baseless speculation, mm-hmm. being open and honest here. Mm-hmm. All right, so. Um, also, side note, I definitely didn't remember the Eustace getting turned into a dragon happening this early on in the book. Mm-hmm. I thought it happened much later in the book. Mm-hmm. That's all. So I, can, I think we can assume that Eustace doesn't say a dragon. Is that what? I don't know about that. <laughs> Can we assume that? I mean, it, possibly, like, there... It, it, what if he meets a nice lady dragon and they set up a home in Narnia and defend Narnia for the rest of their days? That would be cute. Um, that being said, I think uh, we've pretty clearly established that the, the dragon horde isn't maybe necessarily cursed. Maybe it is... Uh, because obviously there was another dragon there before who mm-hmm. couldn't leave. Uh, we can assume he couldn't leave because he just like up and dies there very dramatically. Mm-hmm. And we can surmise that maybe something was keeping him there. Well, I mean, a dragon guards its horde. Mm-hmm. A dragon doesn't leave its horde. And we've we've also called very special attention to this uh, this bracelet that Eustace has on. Yeah. That's causing him a great deal of pain. And will removing that revert him back to his human form? Maybe. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, maybe it's not the Horde itself, but like in the book said, uh, his dragonish thoughts. Mm. And it's his own greed that cursed him. And there's something about this place that kind of makes that manifest. I see, I see. Um, and he had, a, he had a character moment where, you know, he realized that he wanted other people and maybe comes to the realization that he, uh, you know, he wants companionship and friendship and doesn't necessarily want the treasure. And maybe that's what is able to bring him back uh, because the cordial, cordial doesn't seem to help. 
Mm-hmm. So it the, the takes most, down the swelling a little bit. Yeah, like the most powerful. It lets them see the actual. Yeah. But yes, the most powerful magic item that they have in the party. Yep, doesn't do anything. So mm-hmm. this is a real strong curse. So I guess we'll we'll see what happens there. I think he gets turned back. Also, I think it's much more interesting to discuss who the other dragon was. Because, mm-hmm. like, obviously, Eustace turned into a dragon here, so we can't at all assume that this was a real dragon. That we can, been... Yeah, we can definitely assume that this was a person beforehand. Yes. Uh, and who was that? Well, who are the people that we're trying to look for in the in the books? The seven lost lords of Narnia. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm going to make a real strong assumption that this was actually one of those lords came out here with i don't know i don't know if it's his treasure could be it would also be really weird for like you know human lord to go out sailing and come across an uninhabited island and be like i'm gonna take all this treasure and carry it over the mountains and hide it on a cave so i don't i don't think we can assume that that's any treasure he brought with him yeah but maybe he came to the island and stumbled across it maybe eustace is this lord part two maybe who knows the treasure was always equal that's the title of the next chapter. Mm-hmm. This Lord Part Two, uh, <laughs> but yeah, maybe he, maybe this treasure has always been there. Maybe this is one of those weird, cursed places in Narnia, like the original garden that we got the apple from. Like, Ooh. don't know. Uh, but I'm, I'm gonna say that it is definitely one of the lords. Uh, which you know, kind of sad that he's dead now. But hey, they can't all be alive after all this time. Mm-hmm. We, we got lucky with Burn. Yeah. Uh, I bet this is the one that his name, uh, whose name Caspian can't ever remember, though. Maybe. Yeah. And I, I was trying really hard to think of it, but I also can't remember the name of that one. <laughs> Roop. Yeah. This is probably Roop. I'm going to say, I'm going to, that's my hard speculation. This is Lord Roop. Okay. And Eustace Used to say him. It's going to be real hard to explain to Caspian mm-hmm. um, <laughs> if they ever discover this. Yep. But there you go. That's what I got. There you go. All right. Well, I think I've already touched on my speculation and reflection and mm-hmm. Narnia representation and motif. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to send us your own rewrites, summaries, or uh, fan art of Eustace, uh, sorry, the dragon that had been Eustace, let me correct myself, all, all hyphenate, all, all dashes, one word. <laughs> Uh-huh. If you'd like to send us your fan art of the dragon that had been Eustace. Or the inside of his cave. Eating the dead dragon. That's, you can do that. It's pretty grim. Okay. At our email um, at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to follow us, you can do that at chronicallypodcast on Facebook and Instagram or at chronicallypod on Twitter. You can also contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast where you get absolutely nothing in return except the knowledge that you are a less greedy person than Eustace. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Now we're shaming people into donating money to us. (laughs) Join us next week as we discuss Chapter 7, How the Adventure Ended. Hopefully that's not the entire adventure, because we're only halfway through the book. I think it's a reference to the Chapter (laughs) 6 title of how, like, of, of... the adventure of Eustace. Yeah. And this is how the adventure of Eustace ended. Okay. Because I was like, that's a lot of epilogue. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> I mean, we're all, we're not quite halfway through the book. 
And so with that said, uh, I believe Chris likes to plug his new podcast that he has releasing every other Saturday, uh, D&D podcast, live play, Carpe DM. That is the letter D and the letter M mm-hmm. because it's clever. Yeah. Carpe DM. And that is uh, on your podcasting apps. Don't look at me. Like You're the that. one that came up with this name, so I, don't even... I looked up puns <laughs> related to D&D and sent them to you as a joke, and you liked it. Blaming um, you. Yep, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today, and until next time, never sleep on a dragon's treasure hoard. And don't forget to read the right books. Duh. <laughs>